If you would turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter 5. John, chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 18. And what I plan to do this morning is to look at this passage from two angles. First, we're going to look at the facts of the story, what actually happened. And then we'll end with the, the values, what this story means. And along the way, I'm going to ask some questions to kind of tease out the logic of what happened here so that we can better understand what it means for us. So again, the text is John chapter 5, verses 1 through 18. Church, this is the word of God, so let's give attention to it this morning. John writes, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate called uh, a sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed columns. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he'd already been there a long time, he said to him, "Do you want to be healed?" The sick man answered him. Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that, that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It's the Sabbath, and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man, said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They said to him, Who is the man who said this to you? Take up your bed and walk. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, and there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you're well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father's working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. The word of God for his people. Let's pray. Father, as we approach your holy and inspired word this morning, we ask that we would give it reverence, and Lord, we pray that we would be able to do that by um, hearts that are prepared by you. So Lord, we offer up our hearts to you this morning uh, to ready us to encounter your son Jesus. We pray, Father, that as we look to this word, that we would see your son Jesus given to us as our Savior. Lord, we pray that we might believe and have life in the name of Jesus, as, John's, as that is John's whole purpose in writing this gospel. So, Father, I pray that you would guide my words and the, the meditations of my heart, everything that I say, do, or think, and all of us this morning, we pray that they would be um, honoring to your son, Jesus. We pray that Jesus would be glorified through all of this. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Now, when you look at this passage at first glance, it can be hard to see exactly what's going on. You might wonder if 
the healing is the thing to be emphasized, or is it the fact that the healing was on the Sabbath? Which is it? Which one do we really need to be looking at? And I believe that that question is kind of the whole point of this passage, is that we'll kind of wrestle with that. Should we focus on Jesus' healing or the fact that he seemingly broke the Sabbath to heal? And since the Jews followed the second focus, we're going to follow out their logic and, and show why it actually was missing the main point, which should have been that Jesus simply healed and that we shouldn't have been so much focused about whether or not Jesus was or wasn't breaking the Sabbath. We should have just been excited that Jesus healed. So as I said, we're going to start with the facts and then we're going to end with the values and what this means for us. So let's start with the facts of this story. Well, number one, Jesus asks a man a yes or no question, and it really is a yes or no question. Look with me at verse six. What does it say? Jesus says, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? This is a yes or no question. And instead of saying yes or no, the man essentially says, well, I can't. I've tried, but when I when I try, these people, they get down in front of me. And when I try to get to that pool that's supposed to heal people, they always get in front of me. And I just can't. I can't. And oddly enough, Jesus tells the man then to do what he knows he cannot do. He tells this man, get up and walk. So odd, isn't it? He, he tells a crippled man to get up and walk. And here again is another place where Jesus tests our faith. He tests the faith of people. He tells people to do things that they cannot do in and of themselves. The, the God uh, of the impossible makes things possible. Right. That's how Jesus works. So the man at this point, he could have argued with Jesus about his paralysis and, and really made a good case of why I can't walk. He could have told Jesus, hey, you know, I know that you, you're that you're this healer or whatever, but I've been this way for 38 years. This isn't something that's going to change. This is just the way that he may have been born this way. We don't know if something happened, but we do know that he's been paralyzed for a very long time. And even Jesus sees this and he could have made a case. But Jesus didn't ask why he couldn't walk. Jesus didn't ask for anything. He asked this man other, nothing other than, do you want to be healed? A yes or no question. And at this point, the man had to make a choice. He could either obey Jesus and literally walk by faith, or he could remain crippled and just excuse away his, cripple or his, his paralysis with saying, it's been like this for a long time. I can't. And what you see in the story, the fact is, is the man took up his bed and walked. He clearly believed Jesus, and he walked that day. And this shows us two things. It shows us first that the man actually believed Jesus, and his belief is shown by his actions. He trusts and obeys by walking and taking up his bed. And second, this shows us the authority of Jesus. Jesus has the authority over the forces of life. He has the power and the authority to tell this man what to do despite the circumstances. Right? Jesus just says, get up and walk, even though the man can't. So Jesus commands what man cannot do, and yet by faith, man is able to do it. Right? This is why Jesus says things like, by faith, we're able to move mountains. Can any man move a mountain? Absolutely not. But by faith, we can do anything, is what Jesus is trying to get at here. So this authority is then questioned by the Jews. Who is this man that tells people to get up and walk? And especially, who is it that tells man to get up and walk on the Sabbath? So it's this fact of the story that I'd like to focus on. It should have been the case that Jesus would just heal, and everyone acknowledged that that's an amazing thing, right? Jesus just made a man that's crippled get up and walk after being crippled for 38 years, and yet 
these Jews can't see that it's clearly a good thing. They're still questioning the fact of whether or not this is a good thing. Right? But that's – they should have looked at it and said this is awesome. But that's not what happened in the story, and that's why I kind of want to tease out this logic. Why did the Jews get so stumped on this? Why are they so hung up? Why could they not just look at a clearly good thing and say, that's awesome? Well, that's exactly what brings us to the next question. What is it that makes them question his authority? Why can't they just take this good thing for what it is? Well, it's not the fact that he healed, right? They don't have a problem with healing. If, if you look at the, the history of the Jews, healing has actually been a way that people validated their authority. Right? All through Jewish history, the patriarchs were doing amazing things. They were uh, performing miracles. They were uh, splitting the seas, Jonah and the whale, right? The, that kind of thing, Noah and the ark. There was crazy, amazing ways where God delivered people, Daniel and the lion's den, that kind of thing. And the, there was even paralytics that were able to walk in the Old Testament. So what was it that made them question it? It wasn't the fact that he healed. In fact, many times the Jews wanted a sign, right? Show me something awesome. Show me a miracle. Show me something wondrous, and then I'll believe you. And yet Jesus does something like this, and they still don't believe him. So what is the problem? Well, it's not the miracle that is the problem. It was the timing of the miracle. It didn't fit their timeline. It didn't look like they wanted it to look. They're wondering, how could this miracle be legitimate if it's worked on the Sabbath? How does this make sense? And that is the big question of the day that we're going to kind of be teasing out by asking, first of all, did Jesus break the Sabbath? Did Jesus break the Sabbath? Now, notice my wondering when I asked what they were wondering. How could this miracle be legitimate if it was worked on the Sabbath? Now, those two words in Jewish thinking were complete opposites, weren't they? Work and Sabbath don't jive. They don't go together at all. These things were opposites in Jewish thinking. In Exodus 20, God commanded all work to stop on the Sabbath in the fourth commandment. You can see it even up there. We have it posted. We shall not work. You should rest on the Sabbath. So this was ingrained in the Jews to say that work and Sabbath don't mix together. It's, it's practiced all throughout Israel. It's emphasized all throughout the scriptures. So what is going on here? What is Jesus doing? Is Jesus breaking the Sabbath? Is he, uh, is he doing away with all of the law and the prophets, all of the Old Testament? Well, look at verse 18 with me. Look at verse 18. It says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Why? Because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but he's, he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Now let me ask you this. When it says that he was breaking the Sabbath and equating himself with God, is this a whole truth or a half truth? Is it a whole truth or half truth? And before you answer that in your mind, before I answer that, I want you to think about the implications of that. What would it mean if Jesus did or didn't break the Sabbath? What's the difference in those two things, of Jesus breaking the Sabbath or not? Think about it. If Jesus did break the Sabbath, then how can he say in Matthew 5, 17, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. There's a difference there. If he was breaking the Sabbath law, the fourth commandment, then that would fall under abolishing it, wouldn't it? That's doing away with it. Jesus is breaking the commandments if he's, if he's not following the law. 
So this is a very uh, important thing to catch, church. Many Christians miss this, and many Christians will say that Jesus broke the law of God. But I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus never broke the law of God. It's a very, very big thing to say that Jesus would have broke the law of God. Why? Well, number one, because Jesus is God. And what is the law of God? The law of God is a reflection of who God is, his character. So if Jesus would have actually been breaking the law of God, he would have been breaking the character of God, showing that he actually wasn't God. Jesus never broke the law of God. He fulfilled the law of God. And there is a huge difference, and that's what we're going to kind of tease out. Paul speaks about Jesus fulfilling the law in this way. Quickly, if you would, turn in your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. And I want you to see this with your own eyes because it's really important to catch this point that Jesus didn't break it. He fulfilled it. And the difference is literally your salvation or not. It really does boil down to that. It's that big of a deal. So Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 5 says this. But when the fullness, think about fulfillment, Jesus fulfilling the law. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, that's Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Okay, born of a woman. What are the implications there? Why born of a woman? Why did Jesus have to be born of a woman? Because he had to be human. He had to be one of us. He, he had to be the person who would be fully God and fully man and reconcile that gap between God and man. Right? So he took on human flesh. He was born of a woman so that he would be able to be one of us. That was very important for the redemption of our sins, that Jesus would be like us. He's not an animal that takes away sins because animals can't take away sins, right? That's what Hebrews says. So he had to be human. He had to be man. He had to be born of a woman. Now, what's the second one? Born under the law. Why born under the law? Because he had to keep the law that man first broke. That really was the, the central problem, wasn't it? That the law of God had been broken. The unity between God and man was broken through sin, and sin is breaking of the law, right? So Jesus couldn't have done this. Jesus couldn't have broke the law. Back to our question about Jesus and breaking the law. If Jesus broke the very commandments that condemned humanity in the first place, then how could he be the righteous man who would redeem us from our sins? How could he be this guy if he's breaking the very things that condemned us in the first place? Right? Do you see the logic? He couldn't. If he broke the law, he couldn't be that person. Jesus had to live under the law perfectly so that his righteousness could be counted to us. He is a perfect law keeper. That's why he is righteous. He never broke the law of God. That's why it says, he who knew no sin, he, he knew no breaking of the commandment, he who knew no sin became sin, that's being one of us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the great exchange. We're the lawbreakers, and he's the law keeper. And we exchange that to become his righteousness and be accepted by God. So if he broke the Sabbath, then he sinned, and if he sinned, then we're all still in our sins because we need a sinless sacrifice for our sins. So did Jesus actually break the Sabbath? No, he couldn't have. He broke the Jewish misunderstanding of the Sabbath, and that needed to happen. 
Right? When, it, when it says there that he was equating himself with God and that he was breaking the Sabbath, this is the Jewish misunderstanding of what Jesus was doing. They didn't recognize what Jesus was actually doing on the Sabbath. Remember, many Jews of Jesus' day had come to the conclusion that work and Sabbath were irreconcilable terms. These things couldn't be brought together. If one's happening, then the other one can't be happening. But I want to show you this morning that these things actually are reconciled and that work and Sabbath actually do come together, and they come together in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the one that brings these two things together. Now let's ask this. We've answered, did Jesus break the Sabbath? No, he didn't. But was Jesus really working? Was it actually work that he was doing? Well, someone might try to say, well, maybe since it was a miracle, it wasn't technically work, right? Technically, he wasn't really working. He just performed a miracle. But this is actually missing the Jewish accusation in the first place. Look at verse 10 and 11 with me. Verse 10 and 11 says this. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, not to Jesus, so the, said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath, and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he said to them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. So it's not Jesus who is actually on trial at the beginning. It's this man. The Jews are after this guy. Hey, what are you, what are you doing taking up your bed and walking on the Sabbath? How dare you? So at first, there's this man that's on trial because if you think about this, this was a law that was broken. Think about the laws of the United States. You break a law, a policeman comes after you, and he says, what are you doing, right? So these Jews, they're kind of policing this man saying, hey, you're on trial. You, you just did this thing. What do you have to say for yourself? And what that man says is, well, I mean, one of your authorities told me to do it, right? A rabbi just told me to take up my bed and walk. I thought it was fine. Right, so he's kind of blame shifting a little bit and pointing to Jesus. He says, it's the man that told me to do this. That's why I'm doing it. I, I otherwise probably wouldn't have done it. Obviously, he wouldn't have stood up and walked. If Jesus hadn't have made him walk, like, of course he's going to get up and walk. He's been crippled for 38 years, right? So he kind of shifts the blame a little bit on Jesus. And when he does this, some have actually said that he, he's kind of throwing Jesus under the bus. I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but it kind of does seem like that, right? He, he, he says, well, Jesus the, is the man you want to talk to. I, I didn't do anything, right? So we don't know if he's throwing Jesus under the, uh, under the bus, blame shifting or what, but he's essentially saying, if you have a problem with me and taking up my bed and walking, you need to talk to Jesus. So the trial then focuses on Jesus. Jesus becomes the man who they are looking at because uh, apparently at some point Jesus meets up with this guy, finds out his name is Jesus, and he still makes a point to go back to the authorities and say, hey, the guy you're looking for, his name's Jesus. So, so they go and find Jesus, and they say, Jesus, what do you have to say for yourself? So Jesus is now on trial, and eventually the blame makes its way back to Jesus. But even still, can the Jews really categorize these actions as work? Is Jesus really guilty of breaking the Sabbath by working? Well, the answer is kind of yes. Jesus explicitly calls it work in verse 17. What does it say? My father is working until now, and I am working. So was Jesus really working? I mean, Jesus said he was. Jesus says, I am working. And he's working when? On the Sabbath. So what is Jesus going to say for himself? How does he vindicate all this? How can Jesus work on the Sabbath but not break the Sabbath? Now, what I want you to do is think about it from this angle. Think about the Sabbath from this perspective. God gave the Sabbath to mankind, to creation, as a gift. 
And I want you to think about Sabbath as gift. This was a pre-fall institution. Right, Go all the way back to Genesis at the very beginning, before the fall had even happened. What happened on the seventh day? Do you remember? Who rested? God rested. Right. This is before man has fallen. In other words, the Sabbath didn't come into effect because of sin. It's not something that man needed because we're sinful. It's just a gift given to humanity. The rationale for keeping the Sabbath then in Exodus is that God rested on the seventh day. Therefore, we are to rest. It even says that God rested and was rejuvenated. It's a, it's a weird thing to even think about. God, I don't, he doesn't get tired because he doesn't change. But the reality is, is that there's something about Sabbath rest that reflects who God is, reflects his character of restoration and redemption. So the command is not just a requirement it's a gift. It's, it's supposed to be a good thing given to humanity. And this is why Jesus says that the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Right? That order is really important. So the Sabbath serves us. We don't serve the Sabbath. Just like God doesn't serve the Sabbath, the Sabbath serves God. And we're called to reflect God in that by walking in the Sabbath in that way. But, and here's the really big but, if you break the Sabbath... You're breaking the natural order of God that God gave to mankind as a gift, right? Think about it like that. He gave it to us as a a gift. And if you break the Sabbath, then you're essentially saying, thanks, God, for that gift of the Sabbath. I don't need it, right? (laughs) Because that's the reality of it. So he gave us a good gift. And for us to reject the Sabbath, to reject his creational order is doing just that. It's breaking what God gave to us. So we are called to mirror God. If we're called to mirror God, then we must keep the Sabbath just like he did. Even God kept the Sabbath. So the Sabbath isn't just to fix a problem because God doesn't have any problems, right? And yet he rests. It's just something that we rest in, something that we receive as gift from God. So we keep Sabbath to keep the good order of creation. But what does that now mean for us that now that sin has entered the picture? What does Sabbath keeping look like now that sin has come in? What does God do on the Sabbath now? Think about that. What does God do now on the Sabbath? What does that look like post-fall, post-sin of Adam and Eve, post-your sin? What does that look like for God on the Sabbath? That's the real questions uh, that the, the Jews should have been asking. We know what the creational order looks like, right? We know what Genesis looks like pre-sin. But what does the recreational order look like? The the new creation. And this is what the Jews were missing. And that we so often miss too. What does it look like that God is recreating all things? What does it look like that the new creation has come? That the kingdom of God is here and that Jesus is doing something a little different? What does that look like? Well, that order, that that new law, that new way of living, living is to bring healing and restoration through rest. And for this reason, the law had provisions, even back then, for acts of mercy. You might say works of mercy. Things such as removing the ox. Remember that? Right? That's work, isn't it? Removing the ox from the ditch. You wouldn't let your ox die in the ditch because it was the Sabbath. Now, why wouldn't you let your ox die in the ditch? Because it's the Sabbath. Why? Because your ox is what alleviates your work. Right. If you if that ox doesn't carry that plow, who's going to carry that plow? You are. 
So by getting the ox out of the ditch, that actually gives you more rest. It pays dividends, right? It, it gives you more rest by, by taking care of that problem and by healing what is out of order. The, the creational order is broken. So the redemptive thing to do, the, the act of mercy, the act of grace is to bring that out so that things can function properly and be in order and rest. So remove your ox from the ditch to keep your rest. Right? So Jesus is actually remembering all these small points of the law. The Jews, they often forgot about the small points, right? They just hear things like work and rest. Those two things don't go together. But Jesus, he's a little bit, he's a little bit more nuanced, and he's able to think through these things and think how all the law works together. And by doing that, he lives it out, and by doing that, he fulfills it, right? So he's actually in step keeping the spirit of the Sabbath. Now, now jump forward to an extremely religious context in Jesus' day and, and see what is going on. What, remember what happened in the story. A lame man cannot walk and has just been told to walk. So what does Jesus do? Jesus pulled this man's proverbial ox out of a ditch. Right? This man couldn't walk. He couldn't get around. All of you, you walked in here and you'll walk out. And you take that for granted every day. That's a normal creational thing. But what Jesus does in this moment is he steps a little bit into the recreational pattern. The redemptive pattern says, this man, he's never walked Maybe a day in his life. I don't, we don't know exactly his situation, but for 38 years at least, this man hasn't been able to walk in the normal way of restful living that we all take for granted every day. And I'm going to bring that into order. I'm going to bring rest to this man, and I'm going to do it on the Sabbath. Right? So that's what Jesus did. He, he pulls the, the ox out of the ditch. He pulls the man out of the ditch. And this man, ironically enough, he's been trying to save himself for years, right? He's been trying to get this rest on his own for years by getting into the pool of Bethsaida. But he can't. He can't because why? You can't save yourself. Right? This man, he's been trying to get to it every day. And someone always comes out. He's always got a reason why he can't. And the reality is, is that we can't save ourselves. This man's ox, it was long dead. It was ne- he was never going to stand up and walk. Right? He needed someone to come in, step in, and give him that rest that he needed so badly. And because the Jews did not understand this idea of the Sabbath, this spirit of the law, and only the letter, they say, well, that's breaking the Sabbath. And church, we need to watch out for that kind of spirit that is so concerned with the, the letter of the law that we miss the entire point. It should have been that they said, Jesus, that was amazing. We've been watching this guy for 38 years. He's been here, and he, now he's walking. But what do they say? But it's the Sabbath. But we do it in the same ways. There's all kinds of ways where we, we, we see some event is going on, and an amazing thing happens, and we say, but look at them. It's a, it's a bunch of hoopla over there. Look at the ways they're acting, right? I've done that myself. I, I'm personally <laughs> convicted of that. You, you can look at some of the events that some of these Christians hold, and you think, what in the world are they doing? But yet, people are still getting healed. Amazing things still happen. And we've got to watch out for that kind of, I don't even want to say a Pharisaical, because it didn't even say it didn't even mention the Pharisees here. It just says the Jews. We got to be careful that we're not so law people that we miss the whole point. We want to be grace people. We want to catch the spirit of the law, not just the letter. So by healing this man on the Sabbath, Jesus actually fulfilled the Sabbath. He didn't abolish it at all. He actually kept the whole point of the Sabbath. And this is why Jesus says in Matthew on another occasion, a man was there with a withered hand. Remember, you remember the story, and they asked him. Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? 
You remember what he said? He said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, so he changes a little bit, he's not talking about ox anymore, he says, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. It's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So Jesus frames it a little bit differently there than our text today. He says there, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. But in our text today, he says, my father is working until now and I'm working. These two statements, they kind of mirror them, uh, mirror each other. In other words, he's saying that godly Sabbath includes re- uh, works of mercy. It includes works of mercy, works of grace, works of redemption. It's a good thing to do these things. My father's doing it and I'm going to reflect my father by doing these things as well. Even today. Even on the Sabbath, the Father is working, and I'm going to work too. So Sabbath doesn't mean a cessation from all kinds of work. It means to stop certain kinds of work, right? Certain kinds of work. If the work is recreational, recreational, rather than creational, then Jesus says that's actually fulfilling the law. If you're bringing something back into order that is out of line, then that's actually permitted on the Sabbath. If you're restoring the created order, that's allowed. But if you're storing up earthly treasures on the Sabbath, that's a problem. You see the difference? Restoring and storing up, right? There's, there's a difference in those two things. The difference is between restoring and storing, creation and recreation. Restoration recovers the brokenness and brings healing. And this church is the essential task of ministry. This is what we should be doing every Sabbath. Every Lord's Day, we should be doing this kind of work. Bringing back into order what is out of order. We come in here as sinners and we confess those sins. We repent of those sins. And we we bring in the redemptive pattern of the gospel to our lives and reorient ourselves to what God is doing in us. And that is giving us rest to our weary souls. We come in here anxious, worried, all upset about all kinds of things. And we should walk out of here restful. right? And whose work is that? That's the Father's work. The Father is working, and it's all of our work to enter into that rest as well. So Sabbaths are for restoration. I said we we would begin with the facts. Let's end on the values now, trying to get kind of a meeting for us. We started there. Now let's see what this means for us. Some of you are probably thinking, what does this have to do with me? Right? Those are Jews. I, I'm, a, I'm a Gentile. I'm an American. I'm way, way down the road. And, and, and you're probably thinking, what does this have to do with me? Well, I went through all this to, to, first of all, help you learn to think about your own Sabbath keeping. Because the Sabbath was a creational ordinance. Now think about what that means. It was a creational ordinance, not just a Jewish law. In other words, the Sabbath isn't just for Jews. It's for humans. God made it part of the creation. And you are a creature. It, it is for you. The Sabbath is for you. And you are called as a human, as an image bearer to reflect that part of God, to reflect that Sabbath keeping. So you need to understand what it means for you that your father's working until now and you should be working too. That, that needs to make sense in your mind. But even more important than realizing the technicalities of, of Jesus breaking the Sabbath or not, I want you to see that Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath for you in your place. Not just generally, but for you, right? You are a a Sabbath breaker. You are a law breaker. And Jesus fulfilled that law for you so that Jesus can be your rest. He can be your Sabbath. And that is why scripture calls him the Lord of the Sabbath. 
He's the master of the Sabbath. He is the one that calls you into himself to give you the rest of the Father. So Jesus is your Sabbath rest. And if you think about this, you are the ox that's in the ditch, aren't you? Think about it like that. Jesus comes to us on the Sabbath and realizes we are oxen that are going to die. We are on our way. We are sinners in need of salvation. We are the lost sheep. We are the the man with the withered hand. We are the the crippled person. We are the people that try to save ourselves with the self-help of the pool of Bethesda every every week. We have all these things in our minds that we think are going to help us, but at the end of the day, we just need saved. We need need a, a, a good man. A man that's willing to say, my father's working until now, and I am working. To come and tell us, get up. Take up your bed and walk. And we need to give a yes or no. We don't need to make excuses. We don't need to say anything other than, okay, and walk by faith. To live into that and to walk in that. So church, think about this for your personal Sabbath keeping. What does it mean for you to keep the Sabbath holy on the Lord's day? Does your day include works of mercy towards others like Jesus, where Jesus is going out of his way and he's working on the Sabbath, he's doing things? Or do you keep a strict Jewish understanding that doesn't allow for you to help others? Do you say, it's my Sabbath, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rest for myself. I'm going to do only things for me. Is that what Jesus is doing on the Sabbath? No, he's going out of his way for the lost sheep, the oxen. He's, he's helping other people. So thank God that he doesn't stop working while we're here worshiping, right? Aren't you glad that the Father's working right now on our behalf? That we're here benefiting from the work of the Father? So like Jesus, we should be missionally minded on the Lord's day. Go out into the world. Go, go out and serve them. How can you practically reflect the work of God in ministry on Sundays? How can you seek out the oxen in the ditch that other people have? Right, Those things that are really stumping people up, that they're way behind in life, and they just can't catch a break. How can you go and minister to their souls to where they will hear that good news of the gospel? The first place I'd start is to say, go to the hospital for the spiritually sick. Right here, to church. There's people here that need your good news of hope, right? It's, it's our job to speak the gospel to each other. It's not just my job, right? So, so the people that come in here and they, they have these prayer requests and they're talking to you before and after church, that's your time, church, to offer that rest of Jesus, to offer that gospel hope that Jesus is the rest that they need. So there's, there's a spiritual sense in which we go to the spiritually sick place, the, the church, but there's also uh, the, the reality that we could go to a physical sick place. You could go to a hospital on a Sunday. Those people are weary in hospitals. If you've ever been there in a hospital on a Sunday, it's quiet and they're weary. And they would love for someone to come and walk in that room and say, guess what? I have good news for you today. They don't hear that very often. People very rarely hear good news in the hospital. And what you can do on a Sunday, on a Sabbath, is take time out of your restful day and go and work on the Sabbath in the way that Jesus works on the Sabbath, to minister to souls, to give them spiritual drinks, spiritual food for their souls. So village, the charge is this. Rest in Jesus and learn to be like Jesus, to find opportunities to reflect the Sabbath rest of God that actually looks for works of mercy to fulfill the original purpose of the Sabbath rest. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so, so thankful that you offer us your rest, that you don't stop working on the Sabbath, because we are in need of rest. So, Lord, I pray for each and every member here today.
that they would find that rejuvenation, that restoration for their souls that is only found in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would keep us from falling into patterns of thinking that that hold us up. Lord, we don't want to be uh, like the man who, who says, I can't. I can't because this or that. I try to get to the pool, but someone's always there in front of me. Lord, we want to just simply say, yes, I want to be healed. We want to answer your call to, to, to walk by faith physically and spiritually. So Lord, I pray.